Welcome to today's Kadima Talk. I'm Rabbi Eric Carlson, and one of my favorite topics we're going to discuss today is warfare with honor or protocol. This has developed over some 20 years in our close relationship with our First Nation brothers and sisters. They are the true spiritual authority of this land. They are the indigenous peoples of what they called Turtle Island. We know it as North America in Central and South America, but the indigenous peoples here, God placed them here not an accident. And although we have a republic here, the United States of America, they are still the spiritual authority of this land as they are the original inhabitants. And in this, we've learned profoundly about protocol and honor. Honor is foundational to the kingdom of God. Honor is a word we're all familiar with, but few understand. The English definition of honor is honesty, integrity in one's beliefs and actions, distinction, high respect, high esteem, glory to hold in honor, to revere, to confer honor or distinction upon. The university honored him with his leadership award to worship God, to honor one's parents. You, you get the point here. It can be given honor, such as a special ceremony, decoration, scroll or title of high rank, dignity or distinction. Political honors, military honors, a deferential title of respect, especially for judges and mayors, preceded by his honor, her honor, your honor, a special rank or distinction conferred by a university, college, or school upon a student for eminence in scholarship or success in some particular subject, such as the honor role, honor student, or honors class. But I want to focus upon kingdom honor, which begins with parents in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor. Chaved in the Hebrew, which is to be heavy, same root word as chavod, weighty presence of God, to be weighty, to be honorable, to glorify, to be honored. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land which Adonai your God is giving you. Biblically, to honor in Scripture is to be weighty, to be serious, to be honorable, to give glory, to give honor. Honoring parents is a counterpoint to honor that's due God. It forms a bridge between duties toward God and towards humans. God is creator, parents also in creating the children. One large aspect of honor is respect, which includes obedience and forbids hitting, insulting, and disrespectful behaviors towards parents and or misappropriating their property by caring for them when aged and invalids. The Jewish and Native American culture are similar in their respect and honor of the elderly for their wisdom and knowledge. Listen to this understanding of live long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. This is the key to this. The right of future generations of Israelites to inherit the land from their parents is contingent upon honoring them. So to render honor is to give weight or to grant a person a position of respect and even authority in one's life. Rendering honor does not equate to acceptance and or an agreement with bad character or integrity. To honor a bad parent is to acknowledge their role as co-creator in your life, regardless of how good a parent they were or were not. The same is due to those in authority, such as mayor, congressman, senator, president, a boss, a shift supervisor, your uh, LPO, your sergeant. A gracious woman is worthy of honor, Proverbs 11, verse 16. And ministry leaders, congregation leaders who lead well are worthy of double honor, according to 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. In Romans 13, verse 7, it says, Pay to everyone what is due them, tribute to whom tribute is due, tax to whom tax is due, respect to whom respect is due, and honor to whom honor is due. Honor in the Greek is tameo, to prize, i.e. to fix a valuation upon by implication to revere. So it couples and goes very smoothly with the Hebrew understanding. 
The very purpose of our release from slavery in Egypt was to honor God. In Exodus 5, verse 1, it says, After that, Moshe and Aaron came in and said to Pharaoh, Here was Adonai, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go so that they can celebrate a festival in the desert to honor me. It's why we celebrate the feast days, to honor our God. It's why we keep the Sabbath, to honor our God. It's why we are obedient to his commands and mitzvahs, because we wish to bring and render honor unto our God. Adonai states that the Moedim honor him. Three Moedim, to be specifically, the pilgrimage feast days. Exodus 23, verses 14 through 17, each year you must celebrate three festivals in my honor. The first is the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days you're to eat bread made without yeast, just as I commanded you before. This festival will be an annual event at the appointed time in early spring, for that is the anniversary of your exodus from Egypt. Everyone must bring me a sacrifice at that time. You must also celebrate the festival of harvest when you bring me the first crops of your harvest, that's Shavuot. It says, finally, you're to celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season, that's Sukkot. All these three times each year, every man in Israel must appear before the sovereign Lord. And it said in the very beginning, why are we doing this? To honor God. The establishment of the regular or pilgrimage feasts, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, were done so that all the families of Israel at least one time a year would appear in Jerusalem before the Lord to honor him. In fact, probably the most significant difference in our expressions of worship between Messianics and Christians is Shabbat. But listen, see what God says about this day in Exodus 35, verse 2. On six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day is to be a holy day for you, a Shabbat of complete rest in honor of Adonai. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Both Shabbat and the regular feasts, as required in Deuteronomy 16, that comes with the Shalemim offering. The regular feasts are established to honor God, and we honor him through the Shalemim offering that we do on those three feast days. Proverbs 3 9 says, Honor Adonai with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your income. Shabbat is the first feast given in Leviticus 23. Weekly, you honor God with your tithes and offerings. God is making a profound connection here to not tithe to Adonai is a dishonor. Let me say that again. To not tithe to Adonai is a dishonor to him. It's not what you say. It's what you do or don't do according to God and his word. The granting of honor to others is an essential component in every believer's life and the key in obtaining unity within the body, both racially and culturally and in society. This is key also for any business, anything you're doing of any value, there must be honor and protocol. And the first level of unity is honor. We are to bestow honor on those for whom honor is due. While honor is an internal attitude of respect, courtesy, and reverence, it should be accompanied by the appropriate actions, acts of humility, and obedience. Honor without such action is incomplete. It's mere lip service. Isaiah 29, verse 13 Then Adonai said, because these people approach me with empty words and the honor they bestow on me is mere lip service, while in fact they have distanced their hearts from me and their fear of me is just a mitzvah of human origin. There's a strong connection between honor and fear of the Lord. We're to render honor to Yeshua just as we honor God. In John 5, starting at verse 22 and also verse 23, the father does not judge anyone, but has entrusted all judgment to the son so that all may honor the Son as they honor the Father. Whoever fails to honor the Son is not honoring the Father who sent him. 
we're even commanded to render honor to each other. Romans 12, verse 10 says, be tenderly devoted to one another in brotherly love, outdo one another in giving honor. This is the key, especially in our day-to-day for racial reconciliation and healing of our land. Honor heals dishonor. Let me say that again. Honor heals dishonor. We can't say to the black person, an oriental person, or a Hispanic person, or a native person, we honor you in words only. We walk this out in honor. We have no restrictions on who reads from those involved with the Torah services here in our congregations or who can carry the Torah. There's no distinction made here between Jew or Gentile, black, white, male, or female. This is the power of the one new man in Ephesians chapter 2. The key to this unity is honor. It's not just the release of the one new man of Jew and Gentile reconciliation. It's the healing of the breach, the chasm, the culture and biblical separation that exists between Jew and Gentile. It's about building one community, one kahela one camp, one body unto God. We are to rebuild the ancient ruins and repair the breach. That has been our vision from the very beginning. And that's the key to all leadership in these Kadima talks is to bring us together as one. The prophet Isaiah confirms this word given recently in Isaiah 58 verses 11 through 14. Adonai will always guide you. He will satisfy your needs in the desert. He will renew the strength in your limbs so that you will be like a watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. You will rebuild the ancient ruins, verse 12, raise foundations from ages past, and be called repair of broken walls, restore of streets to live in. Restoring the ancient ruins, the walls, includes the gates. It's the restoration and repair of true worship, true obedience to God, of biblical living, to have virtue, to have possession of the gate is to hold the city or the nation. This is why it's so important. We often say this, so goes Virginia, so goes the nation. We're here at the birthplace of this nation. This is referred to spiritually as the eastern gate. This is where it started. So what comes through this gate is what's going to sweep across the nation. It's time to repair and restore that we may see the repair of this nation. A physical restoration is followed by the spiritual restoration. In Acts 17, in verses 26 and 27, it says, and here's the key to this, from one man he made every nation, living on the entire surface of the earth, and he fixed the limits of their territories in the periods when they would flourish. God did this so that people would look for him and perhaps reach out and find him, although in fact he's not far from each one of us. This brings us right to spiritual authority. As I've stated in the beginning and numerous times over the years, the first nation's people of America hold the spiritual authority here on this land. God makes covenant with both the lands and the people. God and Abraham in Genesis 15, Joshua and the nation of Israel in the land in Joshua chapter 8. They sacrificed and made a stone mezuzah. David and Mount Moriah, the high places, the threshing floor of Onan, purchased, sacrificed, and redeemed the land and came into covenant with Solomon's temple being built in that location. Even before this, the previous authority had been protocoled, honored by Abraham. This is so profound in Genesis 14. After his return from slaughtering Kedola Omer and the kings with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the Sheva Valley, also known as the King's Valley. Melchizedek, king of Shalem, brought out bread and wine. This is the future Jerusalem. He was Cohen of El Elyon, the God Most High. He was a priest of the Most High God. So he blessed him with these words, Blessed be Avram by El Elyon, maker of heaven and earth. Verse 20, And blessed be El Elyon, who handed your enemies over to you. Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. 
Mali means my king in Hebrew. Zadok means righteous one in Hebrew. So it sets the stage for who Mashiach would be and directly connects Zedakah, offering and tithing, with righteousness to be a Zadik. You can't be righteous, a Zadik with God, without Zedakah, without tithing. This is so profound. And so this establishes the protocol for warfare with honor. What do I mean by this? I'm going to give you several examples now. Because through this, you honor and respect where honor is due. And so as we were coming into the fullness of this and the profound understanding I had traveled to Malawi, to Africa, and having this fresh in my kishke, in my spirit, I took several gifts and tried to get to the highest leader of the land I could. The first place I got to was the mayor of Lalongwe, the first day I arrived in the country. This is uh, over 15 years ago. I had my pastor counterpart, uh, Bishop Naguita from Africa, met me at the airport. We spent the night on the land, slept, got up the next morning, and went right to the mayor's office. Now, what I had was some gifts for him and his wife that represented America, some coins from Jamestown, some beauty products for his wife. I had a silver coin form, historical books about Jamestown, and what we represented and why we were here in the land. So as the bishop and I sat in the office, we sat over an hour and a half waiting to speak with the mayor. He opens the door. We walk in. He is visibly agitated. I won't, I won't uh, candy coat it. And he says, uh, sit down, sit down. So we sat down. He's like, you know, what do you want? He's visibly very busy. Uh, and I said, well, your honor, we're here. I am a Messianic rabbi from America. I've been invited by Bishop Neguita to come and share the good news. This is uh, the Macedonia prayer of Acts 16. They wanted a Jewish person to come and teach him the scriptures. That's why I'm here. I'm asking your blessing to do this. And he looked at me, he paused now. His whole countenance has changed. He looks at me and he says, you, you don't need my blessing to do this. I said, your honor, according to scripture, I not only need your blessing, but if I don't have it, I won't be successful. If you don't bless me to do this, I will turn around and go back to America. He said, you'll go back to America if I don't bless you and what you're here to do. I said, sir, so help me. In the name of the God of Israel, if you say no, I will immediately on the first flight I can get return back to America. He sat back in his chair completely stunned. He said no one in his lifetime had ever asked him anything like this about the gospel and the good news. He said missionaries have been coming and going from this country since the 1840s. No one has ever paused to ask the indigenous people for their blessing Mishpocha, he started to weep. He then comes out. He orders cold Coca-Colas for all of us. This is a big deal in Africa where there's no ice cubes and very few things are refrigerated. We open a can of Coke. He begins asking specifically where I'm from. I present him with the gifts. I say, thank you so much. He then puts his hand upon my forehead and blesses me. And get this, he prays. He's a believer. He then says, Rabbi, since you're here, Will you pray for me and bless me as this is an election year and we must have God in Malawi? I said, your honor, it would be an honor. He gets his chair, sits it in the middle of the floor. The bishop and I lay hands on him as Jew and Gentile, and we begin praying for the next 15 minutes for him, for his family, for all that's happening in a move, sovereign move of God in Malawi. We get done. Now get this. He hands me a card with his name, title on it, his signature's on this card. It's like a little business card. And he says, anywhere you go in the country, you are my direct representative. 
and you will have no issues. You take this with you. You are now blessed and operating in my authority. As we traveled throughout the nation, you don't go but seven or eight miles when there's armed military roadblocks where they're checking for illegal guns, contraband, drugs. And let me tell you, cars are lined up. They're going through every suitcase, every book. Everything's out of the car. Everyone's out of the car. People are being strip searched. We drive up, show him this card. We're passed through. No stopping, no searches. We were his direct representative. How did all this happen? All the meetings, by the way, we had seven meetings. We had thousands come to the Lord. We had supernatural signs and wonders. People were healed. People were healed from AIDS. We had those who were Muslim come to receive Messiah Yeshua as their Savior. We literally had meetings. We were outside with, with a microphone and a little lamb. We had five and 6,000 gathered at a time. Why all the success? Why the power and the profound move of God? Because we paused to honor and give honor where honor was due. And it then evoked a blessing upon us that all we did in the land of Malawi came to success. I want to share another story with you, Mishpocha. In 2005, here, again, we're at the birthplace of America. I'm literally sitting on the property where we're recording this right now that belonged to John Rolfe, who married Pocahontas. This was his property. Just a few miles from where I'm at is Yorktown Battlefield, where in October 1781, British General Cornwallis surrendered to George Washington, guaranteeing the true birth of this nation. I know we celebrate 4th of July, and we say that's Independence Day. That was just a document. We truly didn't have independence. We truly didn't become a nation until that October in 1781, when Cornwallis finally surrendered to George Washington. That was the birth of a nation. This place has been the future of America since 1781. I have a friend that works at the Colonial Battlefield. It's a national park. And they had gotten a petition or an application by the National Socialist Party of America, that's Nazis, who wished to have a rally at Surrender Field. Now, if you know anything about Nazi history, this is how Hitler came to power. They would go to places of prominent history across Germany and hold massive rallies, such as at Nuremberg and other places. The American Nazis do the same thing. So the person said, Rabbi, do you know that they've applied for a permit to rally and march at Colonial Battlefield at Yorktown? I said, no, I didn't. So we prayed about it, and we ourselves applied for a permit and got it. In March of 2005, on the same day, both permits went public, and it was a news frenzy. The Nazis were coming to town, and Messianic Jews are going to counter-protest. Now, in the same time, and I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, at that time, our federal congressperson, I knew personally, and as the applications were in, I called the congressman, and I asked, I said, um, listen, the, the Nazis are going to apply, and they want to uh, have a march here, a rally at Yorktown, and it's a federal park. They said, okay. I said, uh, I'm asking for your blessing to do this. And they said, listen, just fill out the permit. You don't need my permission. Just fill out the permit, do the paperwork. I said, this isn't about the paperwork. It's not about a permit. This is about understanding protocol and authority, and I'm asking your blessing to do this. The congressperson didn't quite understand it, but was a believer. So some of what I shared with you today, I quickly walked through in Scripture. It revealed to them the necessity of having this blessing. The person said to me, if I do this, you can't mention my name or go public with this. It would be the end of my career. And I said, this is between you, me, and God. 
And can you believe it? They gave me their blessing and prayed five minutes over the phone with me about this rally and God's glory being revealed and all that we were doing. Two days later is when the permit came out and we were approved. Now, as you can imagine, this was a very chaos time. Believe it or not, I got a lot of pushback from pastoral leaders who said, why are you doing this? People could be hurt. We had the Jewish community, the the Orthodox and Reformed rabbis said, ah, we're just going to ignore that day and, and pretend they're not even here. Listen, we learned in the 1930s, how easily could we have stopped Hitler when he was speaking in beer halls in 1930 and 31? You can never, ever let aggression go unchecked, ever. The Nazis were coming to the birthplace of America, anti-Semitic, anti-black. We weren't going to allow it. We did have partners with some churches in local areas. They came the day of the march. We had over a thousand people on our side as we stood across the field from the Nazis. The Nazis, the World Church of the True Creator, the Blitzkrieg, and one other uh, Germanic KKK type of uh, organization, they mustered not quite 90 people. And get this, we didn't have a shout fest with them. All we did was come together and worship. My wife, the beautiful Rabitzin Barb, came into a circle dance. The dance team came, and uh, one of the newspaper articles <laughs> said it was like a mini Hebrew Woodstock. All we did was worship. And in that worship, the enemy began destroying themselves. Anarchy broke out on their side of the camp. They began fighting with each other. They began punching each other, and it was over. The Park Service went over them, disbanded them, sent them home, and we rejoice in the mighty victory Adonai got that day as we glorified him, we honored him, and we worshiped him in the face of adversity by what? By protocol and by honor, by humbly asking and seeking permission. It's the hardest thing to do, but yet you have to be prepared for the answer because if the Lord's going to say no to something you're wanting to do, then that answer is no, and it's from the kingdom. So in humility, we learn to honor and do warfare with honor. We learned a protocol and do what's necessary to do the right thing. I got one more I want to share with you, and we're going to bring a close to this Kadima. We had a Terrorism Awareness Day, and again, this is a number of years ago, but we were with another organization that during the Intifada in the early 2000s in Jerusalem, one of the buses were bombed with, I think it was 16 or 17 casualties on that bus. This organization had gotten the shell of that bus that had been bombed with all the names of the victims and had it a flatbed trailer. We brought it here to our congregation and had a terrorism awareness day here citywide. Multiple congregations come together, multiple speakings. But before we did this, I put a package together, what we wanted to do, how we were going to do it, and why we were doing it. And I went to the mayor of Newport News, which is where our congregation meets in Newport News. Mayor was Jewish not a believer. He was an attorney previously and uh, before he became mayor. And I had a portfolio I presented with him to show him what we were going to do, how we were going to do it, why we're doing it, and asked for his blessing. He said the same thing to me that the congressperson did. Rabbi, just fill out the permit. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you doing it on your own property? Yes. So it's on private property. Yes. You don't even need a permit. Just do it. I said, mayor, here's what I know. If I don't have your blessing, this will not be a success. I need you to actually say, I bless you to have this. And he was familiar with Torah. He knew the word. He actually not only gave us his blessing to do this in the city, 
He then honored us by being one of our speakers that day. It was a resounding success as we had families from non-Messianic synagogues, our Messianic synagogue from churches and congregations across Newport News and the peninsula in our area. It went a very profound and impactful day as we unified to come together as one to stand against terrorism and hatred and oppression in our city, in our commonwealth, and in our nation. If there's anything I can relate to you today that I hope you will take home with you is that we must have warfare with honor and honor is foundational to the kingdom of God. How do we overcome dishonor? We honor. How do we overcome every tribe being broken in its treaties with this nation for the First Nations people? Over 400, almost 500 treaties in our history with them. Not one treaty has been honored. How do we heal dishonor? By honoring our First Nations brothers and sisters. We've got civil unrest and strife in our nation today. How are we going to overcome the dishonor of what's happened to our African-American brothers and sisters? By honoring them and giving them the reverential honor and respect that they should have upon them as every other citizen has in this nation. Honor heals dishonor. It's the key in all that we do, and it requires humility that you will stand in the gap and bring healing and being a repairer of the breach in the wall. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.